Thank you for calling Gaywire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. Hello, and thank you for choosing option 3. You've reached Gaywire, where everything is at least a little bit queer. My name is Terence Adams, and I'll be hanging out with y'all for the next little bit. My pronouns are they, them, and also he, him. Using two sets of pronouns means that people can choose to use one of my preferred sets, um, for example, just using they, them, or just referring to me as he or him, or, preferably, to interchange between them while speaking or writing. Chances are I will be nicer to someone who uses my pronouns than someone who says that it's too hard to understand. Gaywire is, of course, on CJSR 88.5 FM in Amiskwichiwiskigan, or so-called Edmonton, on Treaty 6 territory and Region 4 of the Métis Nation of Alberta. This week we have a lovely, 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 lovely chat for your silly little ears to enjoy. Ro Rose and Coda Rook practice somatic gendering exercises, informed by their own experiences and the ideas of somatic sex education. If that sounds confusing or ridiculously out there, you'd better stick around, as Ro and Coda have a ton to say, and all of it is super interesting. But before we hear from Kodorook and Ro Rose, I want to give a quick reminder that the community fridge outside of the Earth's General Store is, of course, accepting fresh and vegan donations, so bring them on over. And additionally, the 2022 Disability Filibuster is in full swing. As you may know, Q Lawrence, uh, a wonderful disability justice activist and trans person, and just overall amazing human being, told Gaywire all about the disability filibuster from 2021 in the episodes Queer Crip Justice 1 and 2. So this year, the disability filibuster is comprised of shorter broadcasts over a longer period of time, and is, is still in protest to Bill C-7 which works to expand the criteria for medically assisted death in Canada to include those with non-terminal disabilities, uh, provided that your quality of life is bad enough. Um, and in 2023, are going to uh, think about expanding MAID to include people with certain mental illnesses. What this means is that government-sanctioned suicide will be more accessible to disabled folks than accessible housing or other social support needs. Rather than helping people with their problems, MAID just gets rid of the people. To hear more about this, please listen to the episodes on Queer Crip Justice on your fave podcast platform. Just Gaywire CJSR and it'll be there. You can also head on over to the Disability Filibuster website or social medias, all under the tag Disability Filibuster. You can also learn more about disability justice by reading about the principles of disability justice on the website sinsinvalid.org. Um, and if you want to learn more about Sins Invalid, which is a fantastic dis disabled-run uh, performance group, then you can read Crip Kinship by Dr. Shada Kafai, available wherever you get your books. 
and of course Glass Bookshop, is always a local option. Now, Hugh Lawrence spoke at this past weekend's Disability Filibuster event, and you can catch the recording on the Disability Filibuster website. And please, please, please sign up to attend the amazing talks by amazing CRIP activists in the coming weeks, as um, non-disabled support is absolutely necessary if we are to make meaningful change when it comes to Bill C-7. And so, of course, speaking of amazing CRIP activists, the aforementioned Q. Lawrence is one of them and is trying to get a new wheelchair and still needs funds for that new wheelchair. So you can go to their Instagram at Q just the letter uh, and click the link in bio to donate. All righty. Now it is time to hear the interview. This is myself, Terence Adams, speaking with Ro Rose and Coda Rook about somatic gendering practices. All right. Um, so to start off, could I get both of your names, pronouns, and location? Yeah, I'm Coda. I use both uh, they and she pronouns, and we're both in a uh, territory known as Jojage or Muniang, depending on the language. It's the homeland of the Genigahaga peoples and a meeting place for many other indigenous nations, including the Huron-Wendat, Abenaki, and Anishinaabe. And we are both uh, white settlers, non-consensually occupying this land, and definitely take that into consideration when we're talking about gender and bodies and pleasure and navigating a colonially imposed binary gender system. So it's very um, relevant to you know, all of our work, but gender work in particular, it comes up a lot. And I am Ro. Um, I'm also on the island set of Jojage. Um, I'm an immigrant from the United States, also a white body. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, and could you just sort of give us uh, an elevator pitch of what sort of work it is that you do? We've been offering classes um, and I offer individual coaching um, for somatic gendering. And uh, this is sort of a, a binding that I, I put together of um, understanding what my values are in my um, gendering presence in the world, how I'm showing up. Um, and what I want and using the path of somatics or having um, increased awareness of what's going on with my nervous system and body responses um, to help guide me in staying aligned with, with what I want and staying aligned with my commitments and staying aligned with my values um, for the purposes of building my own capacity so that I can show up more easily for myself, um, take better care of myself, um, for the greater purpose of being able to show up more easily for my community more consistently for this project of trying to deconstruct gender oppression and sexism. Thank you. Um, Coda, do you have anything you'd like to add? I think you really summed that up beautifully. No, I'm good for okay. now. <laughs> okay, awesome. So then I guess we'll start off with some definitions. Um, so first off, what are somatic practices? Yeah. Um, I mean, one way of understanding somatic practice is basically anything that is located in or focused on the body. Um, <clears throat> we have done some training in um, 
what is maybe more commonly right now referred to as somatic. So a kind of westernized um, understanding of the nervous system and the ways that our bodies are impacted both by internal sensations and factors and the world around us and how we both shape and are shaped by the world. And that our bodies and nervous systems respond, have been shaped to respond in particular ways based on our upbringing, our conditioning, cultural factors, all kinds of things. Um, and that there are ways we can engage with that mindfully, both by noticing and by, um, yeah, more direct engagement to, yeah, bring agency and our own values and intentions into the ways we react to respond to each other and ourselves in the world around us. Um, anything you'd like to add, Ro? I wonder if I might add an example, because I think that- Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sometimes it can feel a little abstract. I, I know that it um, has been a process for me to deepen into these exercises and practices and, and start to see their, um, my access increase with, with practice. Um, so let's see, an example might be, I'm walking through the park and um, I notice somebody, a, a, another queer looking person, smile at me and I sort of smile back and I go about my day. Maybe that's sort of the glimpse of what happened. Um, another view of what happened is I noticed a person noticing me and my heart rate kind of quickened as I noticed them kind of flash their eyes. And then I saw them smile and I smiled and sort of blushed and I kind of, my feet slowed down, but the rest of my body kept going at the same speed. And I have this funny little like, Ugh! am I stopping? I'm not stopping. I'm going somewhere. I don't know this person. Um, and going about my day. And as I walk away, kind of forming this um, story that like, oh, I'm going to pop online on Lex and hmm. Missed connection in the park, looking awkward, walking past you, sort of walked over myself, would like to come back for another smile. <laughs> um, and somatics is a practice where um, instead of just the first story or just the second story, perhaps we're walking and we notice somebody notice us and we notice our heart quicken and I feel the palms of my hands start to get a little sweaty. And I know that I want to, and I'm going to smile back at them. And so I do. And I also kind of cock an eyebrow. And then maybe I sort of decide, let me turn my body and open it towards them a little bit as I continue to walk by. And so when we have this practice of noticing a change state in our nervous system, then we can, we can choose to use that information. We can discern if we want to um, engage differently if we want our behaviors to shift because of that information or not. Same as we might gathering information when we we cognitively understand that something has shifted in my environment. Um, we can choose to make a different choice. And same thing with noticing something's physically happening in my body. I can choose to make a different choice or continue with it. And so then how do these somatic practices come into play when deconstructing gender. That's <laughs> very okay. Um, let's see how these come into play when deconstructing gender. Well, I'd like to back up a minute and talk about like the difference in gender and gendering um, because to me, gender is a construct that 
doesn't exist. It's been made up um, and we are pushed into these boxes. Um, that being said, those constructs have real world lasting effects. Um, and those pieces we can engage with and we can work to deconstruct. So um, sort of like the matrix, noticing that there's no box, there are no lines, um, we get to create our own. And also the boxes and lines that each of us draw on one another leave marks. So to me, gendering is that acknowledgement that the construct of gender does not exist, but its effects do. And so we can discern how we're going to disengage from those constructs and choose to re-engage, perhaps or not, um, and construct our own kind of shape or formation, um, be it fluid or fixed, however we might. Um, so and what was your original question? Um, yeah, so then the somatic practices uh, working to deconstruct gender and like somatic gendering practices. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think, you know, just like cognitively, we have we can develop the practice of noticing when we um, say something that comes out maybe in a gendered way and go, oh, hang on a second. That feels really gendered. Let me pull back on that comment and try again. You know, and we, we learn how to de deconstruct our language around gender. And the same thing with our body. We can start to notice when um, let's say I put on a piece of clothing and, and something's just not quite feeling right. Like I love this piece of clothing, but something's maybe not fitting. Um, and taking that, that noticing and kind of putting a pin in it and being like, mm, let me, let me remember that. Um, and I think that as we start to notice those things in our body, we start to see patterns. We can start to choose to ask ourselves like, okay, when I notice that awkwardness coming up, when I put on certain types of clothing, like, what is it about that? Is it that constructs of gender that have real world sexist effects are making me uninterested in, in being presented in that clothing? Or is it that um, this doesn't fit well on me because it's not how I perceive myself in my body. And so when I look in the mirror, there's a disconnect. Or is it because um, I like the feeling of this thing on my body, but I don't like the way that other people put their constructs of the gendering of this item and how it fits on my body um, or, or just the shape of it. Maybe it has nothing to do with my body. Um, so there are different ways that we might perceive how this information applies to us. Um, and that's our discernment to make, but uh, just the noticing starts to give us more information where we can use the physical responses in our body, maybe a tightening of a chest or like a always rolling my shoulders back, like mm, this doesn't quite fit right, even though I like the color and shape, you know, um, and using that as, as more information. Because what we're trying to do is um, reintegrate the mind, body, heart, and spirit connection. Uh, colonialism and sexism has really um, pulled us away. Racism has all these oppressions really strip us of that um, weave of connection. And so um, I see somatics as one of many different paths to help sort of 
bring in those stream of consciousness. How can these practices help us? You sort of gone into that a little bit, but um, would you be able to sort of elaborate about how, how these practices can help us um, in our day-to-day? Yeah, so day-to-day, I, um, I'm going to use more examples because <laughs> storytelling is, is the path that I trust. Um, so I, these days, am often being coded on the street by cis straight people as um, M to F. And I'm learning a lot about what my trans sisters and effeminate men um, are facing in the world that is very similar to things I have faced and also very different. Um, And so lately I get a lot of um, really gnarly aggressive looks um, and they they can kind of stick in my brain a bit. I notice when I get these looks, I, I can see somebody's body sh- shift t- tense, usually coming towards me. Um, sometimes not. Sometimes I just suddenly, their face is in front of me and they're kind of snarling. Um, but when this is happening, I, I have been paying attention to what's happening in my body very, very directly um, and trying to track that. And so I get this like binding tension in my chest And it also feels like the back of my chest wall has got like somebody splashed cold paint, not water, but like it's viscosity, it's thicker. So it's like cold paint onto the back of my my chest. Um, And I know that I want to become smaller and my shoulders want to round. Um, I've I've lived most of of my adult life with very large breasts. Um, And so I, I know that I tend to cave my chest um, in a sort of protective way, uh, to make myself smaller. Um, and then I have traditionally really have a hard time speaking up. Um, and so my throat gets kind of tight and tense, um, on the outside. It used to be more forward. Now it's kind of on the outside. So I, I first with these practices started noticing these responses to these, um, these aggressive looks. And so now what I'm doing is because I know that my throat will tighten, I try to immediately make some sort of noise. Um, Sometimes it's kind of like a a laughter, not at them, but just to like open up my voice or even just like clearing my throat. Or I've noticed that if I'm on the phone, then I suddenly will talk louder just as a way to like project my voice, Um, not at this person in any way. Uh, The other thing is I'm, really trying hard to like pull my shoulders back um, and and hold my my head up. Um, and sometimes I will also sort of shift my body posture towards them just a little bit, just like the slightest little turn instead of turning away in a protective manner. Because I know, especially especially as somebody who's passing as, you know, assumed masculine or male at birth, um, assigned male at birth, and also as a white body, I know that like, I, I'm safe walking down the street in my neighborhood, you know, in broad daylight, going past my grocer in this moment, I'm super safe, even though my body is like, ah, protect yourself. This person is very angry with you, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm practicing trying to open up and face these, these challenges because I know that the practice of facing challenges will, will build capacity. And my goal is to continue to increase capacity so I can keep showing up to the world saying, no, not okay. I will not be small for you. 
Um, because my work of doing that, I, I, I hope, helps to then model it for other people around me. Um, and when we are resourced enough, when we are safe enough, when we are comfortable enough, then we can, we can take on these challenges. We can increase this capacity to, to show up for ourselves so that we're showing up for each other. And I think especially those of us who are, um, have an increased access to uh, privilege, it's, it's sort of like all the more reason, you know, to, to do the work, to be able to show up more. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you. How, how did y'all like come to these practices? Because it, it's obviously not just wake up one day and then you just like know exactly what you're going to do and you're going to start just being super mindful about everything. Um, so <laughs> how do you get there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my first exposure, or one of my earlier exposures to any kind of mindfulness practice would have been um, with a uh, Buddhist and mindfulness community. I grew up in Regina in Saskatchewan, and there was the Regina Insight meditation community there, the longstanding, very tight-knit group um, that I started getting involved with as a teenager. And that blew my mind wide open to be like 15 and learning Dharma every week and learning about, you know, concepts of impermanence and learning the basics of just like having a body and noticing what's happening to it was totally life-changing. So that is like very poignant. And I've had other access points since then. Um, Leather and kink community, Leather Dyke community has been huge in my adult life. And sexuality generally has been a lot of my access to feeling in my body or having access to sensation in my body. So those pieces for sure. The most recent things are, um, I've started doing some martial arts classes and that's a whole other kind of like, I tend to be very, meditation is much more comfortable for me than like fighting. I'm much more comfortable in the down-regulated calm zone. And so pushing myself into intentionally having more engaged active moving mindfulness has been a challenge and a really helpful one. And I've been studying for the last year and a half, I guess, with um, the Institute for Somatic Sex Education and doing their somatic sex educator training. So that has informed a lot of the work I've been doing with Ro and some of the foundational practices we've been um, building from. Yeah. Um, for me, my my father is a psychologist. My undergrad was in psychology. He, when he did his thesis and dissertation, it was on phobias, and so everything was a data, but b the nervous system. Um, and I was a kid, and I got to hang around the lab a lot. So I just got so fascinated with like collecting data on the body. Uh, and then I was always very active. Um, as a, a kid and a teenager and, and as an adult with gymnastics or dancing, um, those sorts of things. And then I had, I sustained a, a good chunk of trauma and my response to my trauma has been a, a sort of a combination. I don't know how much has to do with um, my ADHD, but um, mine tends to have upregulated me. Uh, and so I often have 
so much energy and am ready to go all the time and do not stay still and have a million ideas and things on the fire all at once and love to juggle. Uh, and finding, I think finding yoga was sort of the first access point. I tried meditation so many times and I was like, fuck me, I want to die. This is awful. <laughs> like, what in the hell? Um, and yet, Yoga finally gave me an access point. I think long before that dancing had, but I just didn't recognize it as that because it, um, it, it was little, you know, faster speed, but this slowing down of yoga for many, many years, um, I had some really amazing teachers that just ooh, had some patience with me and my overexcitability um, and determination to like find my way into peace that was, um, had a lot of movement base. And then I, Again, tried meditation. It was not working, still wanted to die. <laughs> so um, I found um, like walking meditations and then I found guided meditations and then I found erotic guided meditations and then I was hooked. So that helped a lot. And uh, kink um, also similarly was a huge access point to me because uh, I did pro-doming for many years and uh, I found that my attunement to other people's body responses became really important, which made me pay attention to my own body more in, in regulating with co-regulating with other people. And then Tantra in the San Francisco Bay area uh, really got me into breath work. And then I found like breath-based meditations. And yeah, from there, I was finally able to start sitting. <laughs> so was, uh, yeah, so I'm a decade of attempting to sit for more than five minutes quietly. <laughs> I finally found my way. <laughs> but um, And then, yeah, somatic sex education has, has been a huge part of bringing together my, um, my own work with somatic therapists um, into... Um, bringing those practices into uh, my gendering and erotic work, so. You just heard me, Terrence Adams, speaking with Ro Rose and Koda Rook about somatic gendering practices. I truly hope you enjoyed it, and be sure to follow them on their social medias at somaticgenderingforro and at soulskin.somatics4coda. And very sadly, sadly, that is all the time we have for today. Um, if you want to catch the next part of the interview with Ro Rose and Koda Rook, please tune in next week for more Prairie Queer content. Today's show was produced by Jao Victor Krieger, Ash Halinda, Artemis Peasley, and myself, Terrence Adams. And Gaywire is, of course, a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Amiskwichi, Wiskaigen, colonially known as Edmonton land which has been the home and traveling ground of many, including, but not limited, to the Blackfoot, Anishinaabe, Nakota Sioux, Soto, Dene, Cree, and Métis people. I recognize that I am a white settler on these lands and that I benefit from the ongoing violent structure of colonialism, and that my work needs to be actively anti-racist and deeply intentional to begin to honor those who have been caretakers of this land for generations. This work begins with self-assessment and unlearning an ongoing journey. All of us at Gaywire encourage you to think critically about the structures of power we reside within, your role in and around it, and what you can do to challenge the damaging legacies and mechanisms of colonialism in your day-to-day. -day. 
Please, please, please check out some amazing Indigenous folks that we've interviewed to learn about decolonization, uh, traditional tattooing, and what it means to be Two-Spirit by checking out the interviews with Gabe Calderon and Ashley Cardinal. And by the way, Gabe Calderon is coming out with a fantastic dystopian novel soon, um, so definitely keep an ear to the ground for more news about Magotas, Gabe Calderon's new book. And as always, please tune in next week to hear more Prairie Queer content, but until then, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts by searching GayWire CJSR. You can find us online at gaywire.transistor.fm and on Facebook or Twitter at GayWire, and at GayWire CJSR on Instagram and TikTok. Let us know what you think of the show, hit up the DM sometime, or if you'd rather be fancy. You can email gaywire at cjsr.com, and you never know, you just might get to be a part of the show. Our artwork is by Travis Erickson, and our original music is by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hells. Until next week, keep it breezy, keep it cheesy, keep it cheesy, and... Please stay on the line.